when you give. So uh, Jesus is talking to a, a very broad audience here of people, of, of Jewish people largely. And, and uh, so they, they knew a little bit about, you know, the ways of God and, and what giving was all about. But here he's giving them some instructions. And, um, and, you know, the Bible talks a lot about finance. In fact, it talks more about money than about praying and fasting combined. And so um, actually when you look at Matthew chapter 6, it was the very first thing Jesus addressed. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 verse 1, let's read it. Watch out, Jesus says, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. For you'll lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do. That's people who want to be recognized because of their benevolence or whatever. I'm not specifically referring to the big checks that you see on TV sometimes. I'm not thinking of that so much, but anyway. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they'll get. The next one says, but when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That's pretty private, isn't it? Pretty kind of secretive. Like, like drummers are like that, aren't they? You know, like, you know you, you've got to be able to operate independently, your feet and your, all your hands and everything. So your left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. I don't know. So give your hands, give your gifts in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. Okay, so there's Jesus giving some instruction about giving. And what I want to do, I didn't actually write this, put this scripture up, but I, I've been thinking more about this other scripture this morning from Luke chapter 4. And it says, Jesus said, I, I came for this, these purposes to bring the good news to the poor Every one of these things I'm going to mention here is contained in my message today. Good news for the poor, to open the eyes of the blind if you feel that maybe you've been blinded to some realities in the past, to, to, to proclaim to prisoners that you can go free if maybe you've been felt like you've been cooped up in a, in a prison of your own making in the past sometime, and to set those who are oppressed and bruised and battered, to set them free in the name of Jesus. So that's what I hope this message will achieve a little bit for you today. I believe today God wants to set you free from something that might have held you captive for so, so long. I'm talking about a mindset here, and it's the mindset of never having enough. A mindset that maybe God is not really big enough for your needs or your life or your situation. Or a mindset that you'll always live on struggle street. Or how can I think about giving when I mightn't have enough for myself? Friends, there's a, there's a word for that, and it's a spirit of poverty that can come upon people to, to affect their whole thinking that they're contained by this mindset of poverty. And I believe God wants to set you and me free from that absolutely today. So when we start thinking about living free from the constraints of poverty thinking, um, we see our place uh, in the world as, as God sees us. We start to get our head right in this area then it becomes not only easier to give it becomes possible and that's where I hope uh, I can land this today so we start to see giving as an expression of God's generosity to us rather than merely so rather than merely giving to get you know because that's what some people 
talk about, but I, I don't really, that's not the way we operate here. So what I want to do this morning is look at the life of Abraham very briefly. And just the last couple of weeks, God's really been speaking to me out of this passage from Genesis chapter 12. And while we're away, uh, recently I just, uh, I, I wrote this down because it's so, uh, really, really struck me. So God says to Abraham, now the Lord had said to Abram, that was his name previously, Get out of your country or leave your country from your family. That's pretty harsh, isn't it? And from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Now, I've read this dozens of times in my lifetime. It may be hundreds. I don't know. This verse is so well known in Christian kind of circles. I've read it so many times. However, sometimes you just don't get things that really we need to get. And I needed to get my computer working. Oops, there we go. There we go. So God says to Abram, leave your country. Leave your country. That means your geography, your home turf. But it also means the limitations that have defined your life, your security, your comfort zone. God is saying, I'm going to take you out of your comfort zone to a place where there will be no plan B. That's what God wants to do. Take it out of our comfort zone. Then he says, leave your family. Well, that's pretty interesting. If you look at the story, read the whole story there. Abram actually took his family with him. He only, it was his wife. He hadn't any, didn't have any kids at that time. His, his wife came with him and all of his servants and his entourage, they did leave there and they went to another place that God was leaving him. But what he meant was, what God was saying to him was, leave your siblings and the family that you grew up in. Leave the household that you grew up in. That's what he's talking about. And then the next phrase, leave your father's house to a land that I will show you. I hope to explain this a little bit this morning. Um, your father's house, where you receive your identity, your covering, your socioeconomic status, where you learn to trust, where you learn your first lessons about security and provision, where you, you establish foundations in your life for what's possible, for what you believe, what you can trust in, and what you see as valuable. All those things. God says, I want you to leave all that behind because I'm going to remake your life into something completely different I'm going to help you to understand some new things that you hadn't seen before. I want to share with you some very different stories about life in Australia. And the first one uh, is about myself, actually. Um, I don't like talking about myself too much. But uh, when I was growing up as a kid um, in country Victoria, down there, a long way away, and um, um, I, I was blessed, actually, to grow up in a, in a home, in a family where there was a fair bit of uh, financial security. Okay, so my dad was uh, a pretty entrepreneurial kind of a guy and, and he had a number of different businesses like uh, he was a logging contractor back in the day when logging was politically acceptable. And uh, he, was, he also had a big earth-moving business. We call it civil contracting today. And, uh, and he also was a farmer, had quite some farming operations as well. And so generally speaking... So our standard of living was above the average, you know, it was, uh, it was pretty good. And they never talked about it and certainly never made comparisons of any kind. But, but I, I just knew that there was security in that kind of thing. And, and later on, it wasn't quite the same as that. Things didn't quite 
go so well later on. And especially for, for Della and myself, after we'd been married for about 10 years, um, we moved down to Stanthorpe uh, to, to plant a church there. And when we went there, we had nothing. So we're living on our credit card for the first three months, I think, and, and we, um, uh, we shot rabbits. We picked blackberries along the side of the road. People gave us fruit from their orchards. And there was the ever-present Brussels sprouts that we kept getting given. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it, was, it was pretty tough. But I want to tell you this. God was with us, and we kept going there. We are there for about three years, and we were able to plant this church. We kept going because we knew that God was holding us in His hands, and our trust in God was secure because we'd proven His faithfulness in other situations. And so we're able to keep going and to do that. So here's another story about someone else. Uh, a well-known and respected pastor that some of you know, James McPherson, not a pastor anymore, but he was, he's speaking at a conference once, and he told a story about uh, his life and James and his wife adopted uh, two young boys. My computer just keeps stopping. Here we go. From, a, from another country that were, where they'd come out of the deep poverty and uh, they, they had nothing. And so uh, they loved their sons, their adopted sons. But before long, and it wasn't very long after they, they arrived, I think they were about five years old or something like that, these two boys, uh, when they, not long after they arrived there, they discovered that uh, James and his wife discovered that, that they were sneaking out at night time and stealing things, food from the fridge and taking it and stashing it in their bedrooms. And the reason is because they didn't have confidence that there'd be more food tomorrow and the next day. They didn't have that, they, didn't, they weren't confident of that. So they were, they were stashing things and hoarding food. And here's the problem. So often we're like that because we don't have the confidence that God is going to meet our needs tomorrow and the next day. And that's the thing that we, that's why God says to Abram, I want you to leave your father's house and where you grew up in and your concept of security, your concept of provision, I want you to leave that behind and move to another country. Poverty, friends, teaches us that there aren't enough resources things like food and clothing and other things, there aren't enough resources to go around. Poverty teaches us that the world is like a big pie and you've got to get in for your slice of the pie before it runs out. That's the sort of thing the world teaches. And it's not true. It's actually a real shame because a good pie is a good thing. But, but it's, the world is not a pie. Actually, if, you, if you've got a confidence in God... The world, God's resources are absolutely unlimited, unlimited for us. And it's why leaving your father's house matters in this context. You know, studies have shown that there's a relationship between your standard of living as a child, how things were for you growing up, and the way you view the world as an adult. Studies have shown this, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit. In fact, um, I'm going to illustrate this this morning with just one item. Food, we could talk about many, many different areas in, in this area, but just one item, food, because we can, because it's kind of a fun way of looking at it. And so if you grew up, like a lot of people do, with a, a, with a 
uh, with a, a scarcity mentality, like a poverty mentality, or there's not enough to go around mentality, like a lot of people do. If you grew up like that, the person with a poverty mentality goes out to a restaurant, what's the, what's the one thing that they're concerned about? No, no. The one thing they're concerned about is quantity. They want to know they're going to get enough food. And so if you go out to one of these all-you-can-eat places or a buffet, you're saying to yourself, you know what, when I leave this place, I'm going to be absolutely stuffed. Because you want quantity is what really matters to you. Or you might say to yourself, you know what, these people are going to be so sorry that I came here tonight. Because <laughs> I'm going to eat them out of house and home. That's the thing, quantity. That's what really matters. The main concern is survival. But if you grew up in a middle class sort of environment, like probably like I did, I suppose, and, um, and some others would have, um, you're, you're not worried about quantity so much because you can have the food that you want and need. You're more worried about quality. You, know, you want to know that the food you have is actually good for you. So quality matters if you're a middle class kind of a person. So um, then if you grew up in a wealthy home, and I don't know if any people here are in that category, but uh, for the wealthy, the main focus is present in their food is presentation. You know, if you're watching the cooking shows on TV these days, they're always getting the food and they cook it all up. Then they have to plate it up. You know, they put the piece down there and they get the other piece and put it on an angle in a certain way, then they drizzle all the stuff around the outside. It's got to look schmick. It's got to be perfect because they're hoping to win the competition. So presentation is really important. So if you see yourself, here's the thing. If you see yourself as poor, if you think you're poor and you go out to a restaurant where the wealthy normally eat, you're going to be surprised by a couple of things. Number one, the price of everything. You're going to be shocked by the price, right? But number two, the amount of food on the plate. There's next to nothing there. It's just like you say to someone, someone says, well, how did you find the steak? Well, I lifted up a potato and there it was, you know. There's nothing. So <laughs> the wealthy aren't worried about quantity because they know there's plenty and there's plenty more where that came from. They're not worried about that. Now, what I want to do, Today, or let me just say, friend, God is wanting to set you free today from poverty thinking. And it starts with leaving your father's house, like God said to Abraham, leaving the way you grew up and letting God reframe and reform your thinking. And right now, I want to just share some scriptures with you. This is what God says about resources about how we need to think about the bigness of God and the greatness of God. Number one, Jesus talked about his own father's house. I love this thought. Jesus said this in John chapter 14. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. In other words, don't worry about the things I've been talking about here. Don't worry about that stuff. Trust in God and trust also in me, Jesus said. So there's more than enough room in my father's home. What he's saying is his, the, father's, the, the new father that God, that your father God in heaven, he's got a pretty big house. It's a big house. It's just saying that there's plenty of resources there. 
He's not limited in what he can do for you. Jesus spoke about his own father's house, and I love that. Psalm 23, and Anna didn't know I was going to talk from Psalm 23 this morning either. But it says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Now, it's very easy to gloss over this. And you've heard this before, I'm sure, one of the most well-known verses in the Bible. But what it's saying is it's a declaration of provision, of saying, I have enough. Very important. Another translation, the message says, God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. I've got everything I really need. And you know what, friends? Maybe you've never been able to say that to yourself before, but I hope by the time you leave here today, you can say that, God, you are my provider. I don't need nothing. What about the Apostle Paul? Speaking to the Philippian church, he says to them in chapter 4, At the moment, I have everything I need and more. I'm generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with this guy. They are sweet-smelling sacrifice, acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from His glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ. So God is going to meet your needs as well, because He's not limited. In fact, I, I love the verse before this. I didn't put it up either, but uh, it says, um, you know, I, I've had, had some hard times, he said. I've, I, I know how, but I know how to get on when I've got nothing And I know how to get on when I've got everything. He said, because I've learned the secret of contentment in God. It's so important to to be that, friends, because you don't have to be um, wealthy or living on the pig's back or, or whatever the right phrase is to be content in God and to know that God is your source. I'm not, this is not a message about how to be rich, by the way, because you already are rich in God. You're already rich, God says. That's, that's really what, I, what I'm trying to get to this morning. And uh, it's, you, don't, you don't need to, be, uh, to, to have everything. Like God is not looking at your bank account and saying, well, I want you to have a 10 times size bank account. I don't think God is particularly interested in that. He just wants you to know in your heart that He is your provider and for you to be secure in that and to know that you don't need to worry about the future and about the provision for the future. So... Um, the Apostle Peter later also wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2, but you're not like that. You're a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for He called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. So when we understand our royal position, the place that God has called us to, we need to know that we are secure excuse me, secure in Him, to know that He's going to provide for you, that He's going to meet your needs, that He's going to be with you and stand beside you all all the way. So I want to just for a few moments as we bring this, uh, start to wrap this up, I want to ask a question. What's it like living in your new father's house? When you move from your old father's house to your new father's house, what's it like living in that situation? You know, like anyone growing up in a wealthy home, you mightn't get everything that you want immediately or as a child. I'm talking about a child here growing up in a wealthy home, whatever that looks like. You mightn't get everything you want immediately or automatically, but you do know for sure that the capacity is there, that you can, your needs will be met. You know that for sure. You know that for sure. 
And I think having the right mindset about God's provision for you sets you up to receive from God. There are some people who really struggle with this. They can't receive from God because they can't contain the idea that God would actually bless them, that God would be with them and help them. So it sets you up to receive from God and helps you understand what is one of the most radical verses in the Bible, which I'm going to just share with you right now. This has been a challenge to me over a long period of time, and probably you too. Maybe maybe you've written this off and said, I can't swallow that. I don't know. But bear with me for a few moments. Jesus here is speaking to his disciples in a closed group. He's not talking to everybody. I don't think everybody could have handled this, but I'm hoping we can handle it here this morning. Jesus to his disciples. Is that you? Are you a disciple of Jesus today? He says to them, I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Now, that's a very, very strong statement about faith and about receiving from God. But when you are praying, but when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Now, that sounds like a condition. And it is. And there's, there's a few conditions, which I'm going to just share with you briefly. Because I'll, I'll tell you, friends, this verse, what, you can pray for anything. And if you believe it, you received it, it'll be yours. There are some other conditions. But that's true. That's a true statement. It's part of, God says that to us. And I, I want us to try and get a hold of that today. Um, because Jesus is training his disciples to have the right mindset to be able to receive from God. To receive from God. Here's the first thing. It's in verse 25. You want to receive from God, don't hold grudges against other people. Because in your new father's house, the father's house that God is bringing you into, it's a place where people forgive very quickly and very easily. Is that too radical? Is that too hard? You might have to let go of some things. Maybe you've been nursing some grudge on someone for a long time. Why did they do that to me? What happened? Why, why did they do that? God says, forgive and let it go. He says, let it go. Let it go. You don't need to hold that any longer. Second thing, in your new father's house, there's no need to envy what others have. Now, I'm not going to read it, but in James chapter 4, it talks all about this, and about receiving from God. And it says, you, you don't need to worry about what anyone else has got. Don't envy what they have. Think about what God wants to pour into your life. Don't look at what others have, but also don't be afraid to ask for what you need. In your new father's house, that's what it's like. You can have confidence to approach God. The Bible says approach his throne of grace and and get what you need from God. You can come boldly, it says, to God's throne of grace and receive from him. The third thing in your new father's house is you never have to worry about not having enough. There's no more FOMO. You know FOMO? Fear of missing out. It's one of the most common marketing techniques that is used today. And people get up, and people in the world who get up every day, and their job for the day is to convince you that if you don't buy this product right now, you're going to miss out. You won't. It'll still be there tomorrow and next week. The only difference is it'll be a better quality one, and it'll be cheaper next week. So you want to get rid of that fear of missing out. It's devilish. It's, look, you turn on the TV straight away. Buy now. Quick. 
It's designed to, to uh, propagate impulse buying. The first 80 people who call within the next 10 seconds will get this for free or something like that, whatever. No, 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 no. Wait till next week or the week, next month or forget it altogether. Don't worry about it. Fear of missing out. Get rid of it. Then you can start living in your father, your new heavenly father's house. And when you do, friends, the possibilities are endless. That's when this verse of scripture says, um, not that one, the previous one, about whatever you ask God for, you can have. That's when it starts to work. When we get our heart in the right place, when we start to think straight and we start to prepare our life, then God says, whatever you ask for and, and uh, in prayer, believing you receive, you will have it. That's what Jesus was saying to his disciples. So I, I just want to ask our creative team if they can come back um, this morning. So Luke chapter 12, my last scripture says, And don't worry about food, what to eat and drink. Don't worry at all that God will provide it for you. He'll always give you all you need from day to day. If you make the kingdom of God your primary concern. That's what it's like living in your new father's house. And that's where I want to be. I want, I want to be in that place where I don't need to think about, you know, is there enough to go around or whatever, you know. So I encourage you this morning, friends, if you, maybe you need to stake your claim in that and say, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to, that's how I'm going to start thinking from now on. I'm going to start thinking that God is going to meet my need, that God is, gonna, God is my provider. Like the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want or I do not need to be afraid about needing things that I don't have. Because God is my shepherd. The Lord, my shepherd. I don't need a thing. You know, when you start saying those things, I know we sing, we sing it in songs here so often, but the reason is because these, these things are declarations of faith and declarations of intent. They're things you can build your life on. They're foundational truths that you can build your life on. And so the reason we sing these songs is so that you can get something into your spirit, get something into your heart, and be able to declare that before God. And so, uh, friends, heaven was never meant to be just a future event or a future place, but also a, a reality right here. And I'm not saying heaven isn't a future event or a future place, but I'm saying it's also meant to be here. That's why Jesus said, Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I really believe that it's God's heart for us is so that we can take hold of the realities of heaven and bring it into, into earth right now so that you can become way more productive for Him, way more, uh, you know, have a greater capacity to, to do things for Him and fruitful in your life. And actually generosity will become an everyday thing for you because you'll, that's the way you want to live because that's the way God is. That's the way He is toward you. He is so generous toward us. And so the realities of heaven brought down to bear in this life. I want to encourage you today, friends. If, you, if you've grown up in, a, in a, an environment of scarcity and lack, that you just say to yourself today, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a believer in Jesus. I'm a child of the King right now. And I'm just going to take a stake and put it right through the middle of that scarcity thinking 
poverty thinking that there isn't enough. There'll never be enough. I'm going to drive it right through and kill that thing off because I want to live in my new father's house. I want to live with an understanding that God is my source, that he is my provision. He is my shepherd. Maybe you need to determine today to embrace the generosity that's at the center of God's character. Maybe maybe that's been a problem for you in the past. You could kind of believe God for yourself, but you couldn't take it to the next step and believe that you can become a giver and a generous person to give to others. Maybe you need to take that step today. Say, God, I'm going to be like you. I'm going to be a generous person. I'm going to be able to give. I'm determined to embrace your character.